Hey, what is up? Welcome to this Featured Friday episode. I'm your host, Brian Lofermento, and I am so very excited about today's episode because you are in for a real treat. I actually have a guest on today's podcast. You can tell by the episode length that this is much longer than my usual episodes. That is because I had the incredible AJ Mirzad here on the Entrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast where we went real deep. I thought about splitting the episode into two parts, but I'll tell you what, the conversation flowed so fluidly and AJ was such a breath of fresh air and such a wealth of knowledge that I want to give it to you all in one sitting. If you want to listen to it in two segments, go for it, but get comfortable. Make sure you tune in because you are going to get so many golden nuggets from AJ in today's podcast interview. AJ is the author of multiple best-selling books, including Master Your Inner Game and The Mind-Body Solution, Train Your Brain for Permanent Weight Loss. He's a former personal trainer turned seven-figure entrepreneur. His cutting-edge approach to permanent weight loss insists that the key to a healthy body is a healthy brain. And my goodness, we're going to talk about that a lot in today's interview. It has nothing to do with weight loss and everything to do with the mindset and persistence and resilience of successful entrepreneurs, of which AJ is a very successful one that I'm so grateful to have in my circles. AJ was recently inducted into the Personal Trainer Hall of Fame. He's been featured all over the place, including Entrepreneur Magazine, Huffington Post, Men's Fitness, Thrive Go- Thrive Global, Bodybuilding.com, you name it, AJ is there. He now mentors other entrepreneurs as well at OnlineSuperCoach.com. You'll hear him talk all about that. One more thing before we jump into today's interview. I am so fortunate to have entrepreneurs like AJ in my circle. We've been connected for years. I've loved seeing AJ's growth. I've loved seeing the stuff that he puts out into the world. He's an incredible entrepreneur. Don't be shy. Add him on Facebook afterwards at AJ Mirzad. Very easy to find on Facebook, so go ahead and add AJ on Facebook. But I also just wanted to say, if you are looking for your crew, if you are looking for fellow growth-minded entrepreneurs who are serious about collaborating, working together, growing together, challenging each other to think bigger, to do better, to, to do bigger, then I invite you to the Launch Coalition. It is a community that I'm so excited about. It's a community of hungry, ambitious, collaborative entrepreneurs. I'm not gonna say too much about it today because I wanna jump right into this interview. You're gonna get so much away from it, but check out launchcoalition.com. Otherwise, you're in for a real treat. You ready for this? Let's dive in. So here we are, AJ, I want to officially welcome you to the Entrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast. I'm honored to be here. Thanks for having me, Brian. So listeners already heard a little bit about you. I talked you up big time when I told them a little bit about your professional bio, but I want listeners to know, who is AJ? Tell us in 60 seconds who you are as a person, not necessarily just as an entrepreneur. As a person, I am an immigrant who came to this country at the year of one. Uh, we came from a, a war-torn place. Refugees had nothing, grew up very poor, and really got to understand the American dream. Educated myself, invested myself, built a business, and I'm really grateful to have freedom and financial abundance in this beautiful country. Heck yeah, I love that. And as the son of an immigrant mom, I totally relate. And I think that's why for so long, I've loved your content on Facebook, the type of stuff that you post, the mindset that you have. And we're going to jump a lot into your mindset. But first things first, I always like asking fellow entrepreneurs this question. What's your answer when people say, what do you do? Yeah, that's a great question. And uh, I tend to vary it depending on the person I'm speaking to, you know, and uh I do a multitude of things. I'm a best-selling author. I've had an online business for 13 years now. I do coaching. I do seminars. And uh, sometimes intuitively, uh, based on both of us having the most productive and fun conversation, I'll just say what I do, which will be most beneficial in that environment. Cool. Awesome. So talk to me about what what does your typical day-to-day look like? What is the bulk of your day? What is the bulk of what you're working on? 
Yeah, you know, I think uh, two things that I focus on every single day is adding value and making offers. You know, I found that in growing my business, I'm consistent with constantly adding value on my social media, to my email list, to my clients. I'm just putting out as much information as I can and try to transform their life in a positive way. And of course, to bring in income, I have to be making offers, whether that's through my email newsletter, my Facebook ads, YouTube ads. I'm constantly just putting out offers so people could work with me. I can help them. I love that. AJ, it's one thing that I tell my students and podcast listeners constantly, which is as entrepreneurs, if we're not pitching, we're not making money. So I absolutely love that. We're going to dig deep into your offers, how you make them, where you're making them. But the first thing that I really want to dive deeper into is your start. This is the Entrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast. I know a lot of listeners relate more to our entrepreneurial beginnings. Take us back to the first time you started a business. Tell us about your first customer i want to hear it all yeah absolutely so uh the first taste of entrepreneurship happened uh close to you know 15 16 years ago when i was a personal trainer and uh, at the time i branched off to build my own personal training business and i remember it was uh an ad that i put out for personal training services and someone walked in through the door I sat across from them and I was selling a personal training package. And I remember how nervous I was and how scared I was to talk about myself and offer my services and talk about money. You know, God forbid I said money and they got offended. But thankfully, it was a very smooth conversation. I told them how I could help them. I discussed the investment and they bought. I love that. I don't know if you remember, AJ. I definitely remember the first time I pitched someone in person. How much money did you make that day? Oh, man, it wasn't much like... $300? $300? I love it. Yeah, mine was, AJ, the first time I pitched a business owner in person, he was just like, it was for marketing services, and he said to me, yeah, kid, I'm in. How much is it? And I I was just, I mean, I was terrified to tell him a number, so I just blurted out. I was like, uh, $99. I'm sure you can relate. Like, what was it like for you selling before you actually knew how to sell? You know, I grew up very poor. So as I mentioned, my immigrant family came to this country. We had nothing, not even a penny to our name. And because of the language barrier, my father, you know, he couldn't get a good job, you know, back in the home country, he was uh, a, an author and he had his own radio show. He was well-respected, but coming here, he had a difficult time transitioning and, and none of those qualifications came here with him. So he had a lot of different odd jobs and struggled financially. And we had a big family. It was six of us in a one bedroom apartment. And he would then, um, you know, be in a position where, 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 Money was scarce. So for me, I always had this fear of not having money. You know, around the dinner table, it'd be conversations, oh, we can't pay the rent. How are we going to feed the kids? You know, money's hard to come by. So for me, as I was growing my business initially, I had this fear of money, fear of spending too much or fear of being poor again. So when it came to talking about money, I would freeze up because I would feel that, that this nasty feeling that I'm extracting money out of their wallet and putting in mine and it's a bad thing to do was these horrible irrational fears so it took me some time to get over that yeah and again i can relate a lot to your journey especially with the immigrant angle i'm sure in your house it was said a million times just like in mine that money doesn't grow on trees when those are the types of things that you grow up hearing of course it, it plays into our thinking it plays into our mindset especially about money but AJ, I mean, look at us now running very successful businesses. Bridge that gap for us. What took you from personal trainer making $300 a client to now being a wild success, a best-selling author, host of a business podcast, clients all over the world? Start bridging that gap for us. And I know there's a that's a huge gap. There's a lot of things that we'll dive into in between there. But what was the transition from personal trainer to actually running a scalable business? That's a great question. And I think uh, the moment you're you're asking that question, this feeling came up very intuitively. And I said, what's the best way to answer it? And what came up for me was really beliefs. You know, I, I think everything in our life is based on our belief structure. And I had a lot of negative beliefs about money, about business, about entrepreneurship. And I systematically had to break down, question, analyze, and change my beliefs to be where I am today. You know, my beliefs about what I deserve, uh, the lifestyle, 
what I should charge, but even the, the simple belief that a business is not, you know, a, a way of extracting money out of people and asking for sales. No, it, it's a byproduct of value. So if I'm in a position where I'm adding massive value to the marketplace, then in exchange for that value, I deserve to get paid with money. So he's having these these uh, different distinctions when it came to money and service and helping people, and it was a lot more empowering because you know that that, that nervous uh, pitch of three hundred dollars, and when, when when he got us, oh, I I I got this. I, I do I deserve this? You know, I was in a whole different belief structure back then. Now I'm in a place where you know I set big goals and I have different standards of my lifestyle, and because of those, I have beliefs that are congruent with making those a reality. AJ, there's so many interesting things you said in there, and this is, it's fun for me to be having this conversation with you because just full disclaimer for listeners, AJ and I only spoke for a few minutes before we hit record for this podcast interview. So this is the first time that we're actually talking, and AJ, we've been friends on Facebook for a long time, and you said the word negative in that past answer. You said that you were very negative, you had a lot of mindset issues, and it's hilarious for me to listen to that because on Facebook, I'm just like, dude, this guy is super positive. Like Every time AJ posts on Facebook, it makes me feel amazing, makes me wanna be friends with the guy, makes me wanna work with the guy. I love your positivity. And I want to throw this out there because I know that you're going to answer this gracefully and I know that you'll be able to walk us through your thought pattern here. What would your answer be to onlookers, newer entrepreneurs who look at your life, who look at your business, who look at your social media and they say, well, AJ, of course it's easy for you to be positive now. You drive a Bentley, you've got a successful business, you have a huge following. Of course it's easy for you to be positive. Bridge that gap for us. I guess that's my phrase of the day. Walk us through the fact, because I preach this all the time, is that it's not that you're positive now that you're successful, it's that you're successful now that you're positive. Tell us how that transition happened. That's a great distinction. Yes, I am successful because I am positive. And, you know, just like everyone else, we, we weren't born out of the womb positive. We uh, you know, came into this world with a default system that's based on survival, right? The human brain has evolved to always be in a stressed out, anxious state because our ancestors utilized the survival brain to, you know, survive the, the, the wild savanna, the difficulties, other people, challenges. So we're always looking out for danger and fear. Now, we're all born with a default mechanism that is good for, you know, the the wilderness, or, you know, the, prior to human civilization, but as we get older, we come to realize our brain is always looking for fears and challenges and obstacles. And most times it is very unnecessary, right? Because 99% of the things we fear and imagine never even happen. So I found myself getting older and realizing I had a lot of feelings and a lot of just emotions that didn't serve me, especially if I wanted to be successful in life. Now, the beautiful thing about life is that it gives you situations and circumstances to help you grow. I believe that life is an amazing school in a way, right? It's the best education to live life fully and to accept everything and to learn from it. So as positive as I am, I have a lot of challenges, right? In my personal life, uh, three years ago, I had a, uh, sorry, three months ago, I had a freak accident where I broke my leg extremely badly and the muscle tore off the bone. And it was the worst and the most severe accident I ever had. I could not walk for quite some time. I'm still experiencing a lot of pain. I've had multiple surgeries dealing with this. And through all this, I still have to run my business and provide for my family and, and just be a good person. You know, this is very devastating for a lot of people. But as I mentioned, life gave me exactly what I needed. It's happening for me. So through all of this turmoil and all these challenges, I have no choice to be to, but to be positive. You know, I, I could lie in bed and wallow and cry and, and just let everything underneath me crumble and be negative and say, why did this happen to me? Life is so unfair. Or I could say, great, this is such an awesome opportunity. This extreme pain, the uncertainty of surgery, not being able to walk, losing you know, so much of my mobility, it's happening for me to make me a better person. 
I love that answer. I absolutely love it. And especially having seen your journey, just so that listeners are clear, AJ, you had surgery a few days ago and I messaged you on your surgery date and fresh off out of this operating room, you were just like, heck yeah, I'm coming on your podcast. You scheduled for a few days later and here we are. And I love that get up and get at it attitude. It's absolutely awesome to see out of anybody, let alone entrepreneurs. I think it's such a huge asset that you have in your arsenal. But talk to us about life before then. What were some of the earlier struggles that you experienced as an entrepreneur? And also, I know that you have a wealth of information from all the students and clients that you've worked with as well. Talk to us about some of the earlier setbacks that you see entrepreneurs in general face. Absolutely. So, you know, I I myself, again, you know, growing a business and then taking it, scaling it, right? So we all have this big goal, most entrepreneurs to have their first 10K month. That's a great goal and it's wonderful. Most people, I, even myself, would say, when I make that first 10K month, I'm good. That's all I need and I'll be happy forever. And then when you make $10,000, then you say, hey, $20,000 a month, that's where the magic is. I need to make more money. I need to go further. And it's a progressive uh, you know, ladder you're climbing because you're never happy. And that's great. Progress is success. You make six figures or make seven figures and every new level is a new devil. So you're always in a place where you're upgrading your skills, your capability, but most importantly, your mindset, right? your ability to handle pain and pressure. And I myself, one thing I've realized, you know, I've been in business for about, uh, I started in 2007, so a little over 13 years, is the higher up the success ladder that I go and I see my other peers go, the more pain has to be tolerated. Because as you have more success, you make more money, you have bigger problems. You know, to give you an example, <laughs> right now I'm dealing with a major problem. I'm in the midst of it where I have a tax bill from the IRS for $360,000. Now, of course, the moment you get a bill like that, you freak out. 360 I'm screwed. I'm ruined. No, why is this happening to me? But then you, you say to yourself, like, wow, 10 years ago, I would never have this problem. I'm grateful. It's a big-ass problem, and it's <laughs> scary, but it's also a reflection of how far I've gone in my life. Yeah, I love that. And man, I guess that's the nature of us having this conversation around tax time. Aren't we all feeling that pain right now? So like I said, or like you said, it's definitely a good problem to have. But you mentioned a word in your answer there. One of the problems that you're ongoingly facing as an entrepreneur, and I think it's something that all entrepreneurs face at a million different times throughout our journey. And that word that you said is scale. What does scale mean to you? You know, scaling is a natural progression of, of any business. I've not met a single entrepreneur who is just happy and content at a certain income level, at a certain level of clients. You know, I'm good. I'm fine here. I'm going to chill. You know, everyone wants to progress. There's more money to make, more people to help, uh, a bigger impact to have. And oftentimes, we have to, I guess, have a good distinction. Is it that we want to scale to grow our business and have a bigger impact, hire more employees? And, and just add more to the economy, or do we want to scale because we don't feel enough? And I will admit to you, I'll be very honest, for many years of my early journey, I was working my butt off because I did not feel enough. Or I was a six-figure entrepreneur. I needed to be a seven-figure entrepreneur because all my peers or people that I started my business at the round same time as me they're more successful than me. I go on social media, this guy had a $100,000 launch. I'm a loser. I'm not enough. So I realized that I had to learn, like, am I scaling because I want to make a bigger impact and grow as an entrepreneur, ask the economy, or do I want to scale because I feel insecure? I don't, I don't feel enough. Yeah, for sure. I, I love that distinction that there are multiple reasons to scale. You've mentioned your peers a few times, and I do want to talk about community because we are fortunate as entrepreneurs. A lot of us are friends with other entrepreneurs on Facebook. We're in a bunch of different Facebook groups together. We see each other. We hear each other. We're one click away. We're one Facebook message away from connecting with literally anybody that we want to connect to. Talk to me about that support system that you have, those peers that you collaborate with, those peers that you group think with i want to hear about that absolutely you know i i believe peers are are the most important element in not just business but in life as well i live my life by the jim Rohn quote he says you are the average of the closest people in your life in your health 
your wealth, your relationships, your happiness. And I found that when I have peers that are on the same wavelength, that they're always wanting to improve and they're building their business, they're having healthy habits, they're giving back to charity and they're supportive and they're focused on love and contribution. If I'm around those people, I grow in a very powerful and positive way. On the opposite end, if I'm hanging around people, I'm in groups where it's all about gossip or talking crap about other people or being very negative or complaining. Well, of course, I absorb that same information and those same beliefs and ideas are embedded in my subconscious mind and I take on those negative traits. And I always constantly, you know, I, I think it was Ralph, Ralph Waldo Emerson who had a great quote. He said, stay close attention to the gates of your mind. And you're always being alert with what's coming in, having awareness, because a single belief could destroy your entire life, right? Beliefs about your business, beliefs about yourself, beliefs about the economy, right? We had this horrific thing of COVID that killed so many people and destroyed the entire global economy. Now, there are some people that are having discussions about how COVID was the worst thing that ever happened to them. It wiped out their business, it wiped out all their opportunity, and they're going bankrupt, right? It's very sad and, and depressing stories. You have other people who say, you know, I can't control the virus, but what I can do is pivot and innovate, and I can create a new way of doing business, and I could look at what are the things that are lacking in this COVID climate, and how can I create value and abundance where people are not focused on? So it's very fascinating that we all deal with very similar problems, especially on a global level, but to see the different interpretations and the different attitudes of having to deal with them the best way possible. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's not about the situation that you're in. It's about how you react to it. And we've seen that time and time again, especially as entrepreneurs. I like to think that entrepreneurship amplifies all the problems that we face just as everyday human beings. And I'm sure you found that to be true. Well I've got two questions to ask you when it comes to your peer group. The first is, how have you found your peers over the years? And how has that circle changed? That's still one question. And how has that circle changed as your business has grown? Yeah, you know, I I think that when we first start our business, uh, oftentimes the, the peer group are the people that are on the same stage as us, maybe starting out, learning basic marketing and copywriting developing a sales funnel, a website. And we have this peer group, like like I said, when I f- had my first sale, you know, that was a huge celebration. And I love having conversations with people that were on that same level, right? And of course, when someone was 10 steps ahead of me, it was, it was an honor to be around them. However, I couldn't relate with them. You know, I didn't have a team and I didn't have a, a very complicated infrastructure. And then that's fine. And on the same token, if you have someone who's very advanced and they're around people that are just starting out, you know, how do I make my first sale or how do I develop my first funnel? They get frustrated, you know, because it's like a kindergarten conversation and a, uh, you know, college conversation. So I found that as we are growing and evolving, our peer group changes. And I found that as well. And throughout the years, I involved myself in various masterminds, some free and some that I paid for. And then throughout this time frame, I would take breaks, you know, sometimes I feel overwhelmed or and I was like, yeah, I'm going to try to implement some of the stuff myself. And every time I try to do it myself, whether it was not being in a mastermind, not having the accountability, not having a mentor, I noticed my business would always suffer or I would get lax and, and, and screw around and not take things seriously. And I realized, whoa, I'm actually losing money by not having a peer group like a mastermind or having a mentor to help me and guide me through this process. So I made a decision to never, ever, ever be at all without a coach, a mentor, or a mastermind. And that one decision has made a big difference in my business. I love that. Really well said and a super important topic that I don't think is talked about often enough in the world of entrepreneurship because let's face it, AJ, it's not as sexy as showing someone the the latest Facebook ad hack that's going to triple your conversions. It's not as sexy as that, but I would argue, and it sounds like you would definitely argue as well, it's the most important thing. And I think newer entrepreneurs miss the mark in understanding just how valuable your peer group is. So the second part of my question for you is when you have that peer group, give us some examples of how you grow together. How can you combine the powers of your abilities and your minds to actually make the sum of all parts greater or the sum greater than all of the parts individually? 
Yes. You know, I, I'll give you an example of a, one of the masterminds that, that I'm in. This is a, a peer-based mastermind. We don't invest uh, anything. We just come together. And uh, thankfully, it's been going on for quite some time, and it's very effective. Many times, if you don't pay, you don't pay attention. And a lot of people say, hey, let's start a mastermind. One or two months in, it starts to die out because there's no money invested in it. But we developed a group, and we have some strict rules that helps to keep going. But at the same time, it's built out of extreme, brutal honesty. And one thing that has helped us, and this is not you know, a conventional thing and not for everyone, but we show our numbers where we actually give a screenshot of our merchant accounts. And we are very honest with our profits, you know, gross income, net income, how many leads we're getting in, what's going right, what's going wrong. And, and also our own personal stresses, you know, what was stressing us about the business, what problems are we facing, did an account shut down, did one of our key employees get fired, or even personally, one person's going through a divorce and they need the support. But I found having this amazing honesty, this full openness with every little thing that goes on in the business has been one of the greatest things about this peer group because we have to show up and we have to, you know, disclose everything. And one, it's scary and it's, it's being very vulnerable, but we know all progress starts with the truth. Yeah, I love that. And I can only imagine the feeling that each and every one of you has going into those mastermind group meetings, because when you have to talk about these things, when you have to talk about the numbers, you have to face them. And I think all too often entrepreneurs, and again, human beings in general, we like to push things under the carpet, because if we don't see it, if we don't talk about it, then we don't have to face what's actually going on there in the realities. And I know that you talked about a few metrics in there about gross profit, about number of leads that you're generating. Talk to me as an entrepreneur who's progressed to the level that you're at. What sort of metrics are you keeping your eye on on a weekly, on a monthly basis for you to make sure that you're growing? What are you paying attention to? Yeah, of course, you know, there's a lot of key metrics to keep a business moving forward. But, you know, the, the bottom line profitability, that's extremely important because we all know people that have seven figure businesses, but those have seven figure expenses and the profit margins are extremely low. So you can be killing yourself and taking this massive risk, but not making a lot of money. So just making sure that you have a good solid profit margin and that is improving every single month. And of course, lead flow is very important. Understanding how many leads are coming in on a weekly basis, how many sales are being closed in those sales, what's the percentage of sales to leads, the ratio of that. And most importantly, customer satisfaction, you know, retention is huge. And that's one of the cool things we have in this mastermind because we want to focus on having extremely high retention and high customer value. So we're always thinking about different ways of making our customers happy, uh, using different tools, sending out cards, gifts, um, even able to track the satisfaction of the customer with surveys and, and different random phone calls because, you know, most people, most businesses, you know, you, you could run a really powerful campaign, do a, a massive launch and get a lot of leads to the door, make a lot of sales. But a true business success and longevity comes with customer satisfaction, getting them results, make sure they're happy. So you don't have to focus so much on getting as many leads. You retain clients on the long term. I love that. And we hear it so often, quality over quantity, and it sounds like it's something that you care a lot about in your business. I want to transition to this conversation. I have no idea where you're going to take it, AJ. I'm really interested in hearing your answer to this. The first part of the question is, I want to hear about the grind, because obviously now we're talking about what life is like when you're running a successful business, but do take me back to that grind. A lot of times people underestimate how long things will take, they overestimate how much they can accomplish in a month, but at the same time, we underestimate how much can change in, let's say, 12 months. Take me back to that grind. How long would you consider the grind part of your entrepreneurial life? (laughs) Wow. I would say that the first five years were extremely hard grind and and a lot of failures, a lot of mistakes, a lot of fears. And I I wanted to give up multiple times. I wanted to say, you know, screw this. I was going to nine to five job. I don't have to worry about all this stress, all this fear Just show up, clock in, clock out at the weekends to myself. When you're an entrepreneur, you're working 24 seven. You can never shut it off. You know, uh, during the holidays, you're like thinking about different ideas and innovating and having conversations about it. So 
yeah, it takes up a lot of your time. And that's why a lot of people give up because they underestimate the amount of work and sacrifice it takes to even get it off the ground. But within the five years, you know, I developed skill sets and a discipline and the mentality and educated myself. And I started really putting the puzzle piece together. I saw the patterns that make me successful. And I found that was a, a big help because, you know, so oftentimes we look at a business, we look at the strategy. Okay. How do I generate leads? How do I make sales? How do I develop a funnel? How can I get my copy so good that people buy off my sales page? But a big part of it is looking at yourself, looking at your own personal habits. Okay, what time do you need to wake up? Where is my energy at the highest level? What days am I the most productive? If I want to execute all of these things, what is the way that I need to think and the people I need to be around and actions I need to take? Because I feel if you really master yourself and you master utilizing your brain, your body, your intellect at the highest capability, that's one step that will move you along a lot faster. Yeah, AJ, dude, I've got a huge smile on my face when you immediately said five years because it's so funny that, I mean, we've all heard it, overnight success, 20 years in the making, and it's true for almost every single entrepreneur, but five years, man, I can relate to that, especially, I actually started my first business right around when you did. I started in 2008, I was 19 years old, and wow. I remember what the grind feels like and I can relate to the holidays that you mentioned where your family's just chilling and your brain is running a million miles a minute. Talk to me about the grind years. I want to hear more about those five years. What sort of crazy things were you trying, experimenting with that weren't working? I started a t-shirt business. I have no clue why. Talk to me about some of the crazy stuff you did. Yeah, you know, I, at the time there was this big uh, need for supplements and uh, you know, now like everyone, the mother has a supplement business, supplement company. But at the time, I uh, was like, wow, there's, there's a lot of money in supplements and I was paying a fortune and buying my own. So I developed my own fat burner and I started to research on everything about it, on getting the raw material from China and developing the formulations and finding a, a company that can make the capsules and getting all the different um, uh, labels and then the safety protocols. And I remember I spent like two years on this one fat burner supplement. And I was so obsessed with it. I knew, wow, you know, once I put this out in the marketplace, people are going to just knock down doors and come and buy it. And I was so excited doing all the work. And I was, you know, <laughs> miserable when I launched it because I was let down extremely. I, I thought, you know, hey, I just put this website out and I put a PayPal button. I sell the supplement and people are going to come in droves to come and buy it. And it was an absolute failure because I put it out, I put the website up. I checked my PayPal account. Nothing was coming in. And I realized, like, holy shit, I don't think I know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's, it's kind of like we all believe for one reason or another that if you build it, they will come. I remember, AJ, have you ever heard of Warrior Forum? Yes, of course. Yeah, that's that's because we're OGs in the online entrepreneurial space. So Warrior Forum was huge back when you and I first started out. And yeah. when I launched my first online course, it was called Blogging Your Way to Profits. It was $197. And I launched it on Warrior Forum and I went to bed that night and boom, dude, I was the man. Someone from Romania bought my course for $197 and nice. man, I was going to be a millionaire until nobody bought it for like the next three months. And so wow. that's what I experienced. And I want to talk about what shifted for you because somewhere along the way, something shifts. And sometimes we can feel it in the moment and sometimes we can only see it when we look backwards through the lens of time. Talk to me about where you feel or know that your shift came. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a really, really powerful story and it's actually quite aligned to the shift that I had. And again, you know, I, I tried to make this supplement uh, business work. And again, I spent all this time, build it, they will come. And I was let down in a horrible way. And then at the time, I was renting space uh, in, in a studio at a personal training business. But I wanted to open up my own gym. So I said, the you know, supplement thing doesn't work. And I'm limited within this personal training business. So I'm going to open my own brick and mortar gym. And I remember going around to different locations at a realtor. And finally, I found one. And it was this huge lease. It was, you know, signing off a two-year lease, and it was a $20,000 a month in rent and plus all the other expenses. And a part of me was like, all right, you know, build it and they'll come. And then another part of me was like, what if this fails miserably like the supplement business and I open up this gym 
and I got to work all the time and, and hustle to pay this rent. And had a lot of fears come up. And intuitively, I just felt, felt it wasn't a good idea. And then I said, you know, can you give me a day? Let, let me sleep on this before I sign the lease and before I just commit to the next two years of my life with this gym business. And then uh, over time, I just really thought about what I wanted to do. And I wanted to create a new vision. So I, I just journaled and I created a five-year vision for myself. And when I really meditated on it and thought deep in my heart, I, I didn't want to be in the gym business. You know, I don't want to commit myself to waking up at 5 a.m., being in a gym all day long and having all these moving pieces and all these expenses. And I said, you know, let me just hold off on this gym for now and, and build an online business where maybe I could try to sell something beforehand or, or test out the demand, validate an idea. And if that works, I could focus on that and not have to deal with this huge commitment that will may, maybe ruin me for the rest of my life. And it was that one decision that I basically said, I'm going to hold up on the gym. And I decided to put up this Facebook post to test out this online program. And it was the funniest thing in the world because that one Facebook post made me $5,000. And it was a start of building an entire online business all around it. I love that. Do you remember what you sold in that Facebook post? Yes, yes. You know, at the time, it was an online weight loss program. It was a, a 21-day transformation. It was basically... Um, I think it was like $97 and I just went on my uh, personal page and I said, I'm launching a brand new 21 days transformation. You know, copy was not that effective. It was, it was pretty straightforward. It's $97. And I just remember just the moment I put it out there, sales were coming in. I had it linked to a PayPal account and I was like, whoa, now, now I see what real business is. Yeah, and I know that a lot of people face imposter syndrome when it comes to putting offers together. And we're gonna talk a lot about offers and how you structure them and how you put them out there. But what were your feelings as you're putting that offer together? Like, did you have a question of, am I qualified? Who am I to be delivering this? Take me back to what you were feeling at that time. I think uh, it was Ramit Sethi. And he um, had the whole concept of, you know, validate an offer, before you build out a whole infrastructure around it. And I just did that whole concept really stuck to me. And I realized like you know, a lot of other businesses, like a, a physical business, right? Brick and mortar business or a supplement business or clothing business. A lot of these require a huge investment, a lot of time and a lot of energy to even, you know, get it off the ground and to finally sell it. And you're taking a massive risk because you don't know if it's going to work or not. Where a more intelligent way of doing business is to validate an idea, get a deposit, or maybe have a survey, or to have some type of commitment where someone's going to buy it from you. You know, kind of like we have with a, uh, I think it's crowdfunding. You know, where you could literally validate an idea, get a whole bunch of people interested, put a deposit down, and then if you have the right amount of people, you meet your quota, then you get it done. And I guess at that point, I said, you know, I, I don't want to be let down. I keep launching these things, and everything keeps failing. So let me just create a post about a program that I've not made yet, not created yet. I want to see if there's a demand for it. And the cool thing about an online business or building anything online is you can get a demand and within a few days have it up and running. You know, And even in that program, I didn't build out an entire 20-day uh, transformation program. I, I just had like the outline of it, and I knew what I wanted to do in the first few days. So when the deposits first started coming in, then I was like, I got to get off my butt and build this thing. And it allowed me to validate it, collect the money first, and then build out the business. I love that. And you're definitely preaching to the choir when it comes to launching things before the bill. I sold three of my first of my first retreat spots for $5,000 a person before I'd booked a house, before I knew where the retreat yeah. was going to be, anything. And it's the only way that I was going to move forward because I was never going to launch a retreat until I knew that people were going to buy the retreat. And then I was able to turn around and invest in a house for the retreat, pick a location, hire a team, and start putting it all together. So I love hearing that you are a huge disciple of that approach as well. We both subscribe to that same school of thought. Let's dive a little bit deeper into offers. How many offers do you currently have in your business if I wanted to work with you? And how, as a strategic thinker, do you come up with how many offers you should have and what types of offers those should be? Yeah, great question. Um, I'm, I'm a man of simplicity and I have like really four main offers that I put onto the marketplace. And I, I like to have it simple and have like, it, it's really the, I guess the end result is similar, but just the, the modalities are different on how to get it there. 
Awesome. And talk to me about the thought process on how you decide when and how to roll out those different offers and different modalities. Yes, absolutely. So I have a, a flagship offer, which is a 12-week online coaching program. And that was the first offer that I brought into the marketplace that was really aligned to my purpose and what I wanted to do and how I want to transform people. And that offer did extremely well. And based on that offer doing well in the price point, I decided to create similar offers around that where it's more intimacy, it's more support, or even uh, ha- instead of having it done online, having it done in person and doing it over a shorter period of time in a more uh, concentrated way. Awesome. And it's something that I love to see as a friend of yours on Facebook and seeing how many people show up to these in-person events and how you guys rock it together. Take me back to before you had that audience. How were you finding people to pitch to? I know that you said on a daily basis, one of the things you focus on is making offers. Where were you finding people to make these offers to? Yeah. So, you know, of course, uh, when I was first starting out, I didn't have much of an audience. And, uh, you know, throughout the years, I just used my uh, social media more of just like a, a personal place where I was sharing my life and uh, my insights and my opinions and my beliefs. But I really didn't have much of a way of, of wanting to, I guess, sell my audience anything. Um, I found that when I first started running ads, I started running Facebook ads for the specific offer that I had. That then it made me realize, like, okay, wow. Um, maybe the people that I currently have are not my ideal clients, but these specific people are. And then once I learned uh, the processes uh, of sales and marketing and developing a way of getting a person who doesn't know me, let's say on a scale of one to 10, they're ice cold, one or two, and I want to get them to eight, nine, 10, where they invest and they want to move forward with me. What are the things I do psychologically and how do I change their beliefs and create trust so they know me and like me and want to invest with me? And once I understood those principles with just using cold traffic, I then said to myself, like, wow, I I have a decent sized audience on my social media. Now, how can I create something for them that uses those same principles that it's something that these specific people are going to buy? I love that. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Go a little bit deeper on the know, like, and trust stuff. How do you get someone from a one or a two, I don't know who this dude from Long Island is, to getting them to say, holy cow, I'm dying to work with AJ? Yeah, absolutely. I, I believe that you know that the principles behind why anyone does anything is is they they want help. Uh, someone is having some type of problem or they're facing an issue, and you swoop in and say, "Hey, I'm sorry you got to deal with this problem, and I'm sorry this issue is affecting your life. I have a way of solving it for you. I want to help you, right?" And that is what starts the conversation. It gives the permission, like, "Hey, I raise my hand. I do have this problem. You may or may not be the person. Now prove to me." that you have the credibility. And from there is the ability to show them like, hey, this problem I had before, I went through a lot of challenges myself and I wasted a lot of time and effort, but I found a shortcut to fixing this problem. And because of that, I'm qualified to help you. But it just wasn't for myself that I solved this problem. Here are hundreds of people, here are social proof and testimonials of other people far worse than you that had this problem that I've helped. And on top of that, I want to show you my process, give you some results in advance, give you an appetizer of what the full course is. And on top of that, if you're willing to trust in me and invest in me and try what I have, I want to give you a full-fledged guarantee. I want to allow you to invest to see if this works for you. And if it doesn't, more than happy to give you your money back, no questions asked. I love the simplicity of that. I mean, at its most basic level, the easiest way to prove to somebody that you can help them is to actually help them. And I love the fact that you're doing that. AJ, I didn't anticipate going here in today's conversation, but I am going to put you on the spot and do a little bit of an ego stroke for you because I think when it comes to social media for entrepreneurs, you are one of the best in the world at what you do on your personal Facebook. I think you found like the perfect balance between being salesy versus just providing content while also at the same time also being a human being that I feel like I know, a person who's not just posting on there for business gains or for business purposes. Talk to me about your strategic thinking behind your personal Facebook. Let's talk specifically there because I know it's a huge part of where you're outputting content. What is your thought process for how you use your personal Facebook? 
Well, first and foremost, thank you for that. I'm honored and I received that and I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, I honestly, uh, I don't wake up in the morning and say, hey, you know, how can I make a bigger impact on my Facebook? You know, I, that's not the intention that I have. But thankfully, it works. And I, I do have a quite a big audience and I collect with a lot of people. And, and honestly, um, I, I don't have like a specific framework that like on Monday, I'm going to do this post, Tuesday, I'm going to do that post. I think for me, it's really being unapologetically honest, where I just intuitively feel in, whether it's the morning time or the afternoon, it's okay, what message do I need to share with people at this current time? How can I add value? How can I change someone's beliefs or their mindset? Or if I'm going through a, a big challenge, as I mentioned, you know, I've been going through a lot of stuff with my surgery, a lot of pain, a lot of frustration, and I say, you know, this is what I'm currently going through. Now, I could hold it in on myself and, you know, speak to my girlfriend or call up a friend or a family member, or I could openly, honestly vent about my current frustrations to everyone out there in the world. And I found that formula of just being brutally honest and sharing everything, uh, my wins and my failures, right? The, the best times and the worst times. And that's really the main goal that I have and how I intuitively approach it. And of course, throughout the week, when I'm called to, if I'm launching something, if I'm promoting something, I'll then ask my audience, hey, this is an offer that I have. Raise your hand. Here's a seminar that I'm doing. Here's a new program that I'm promoting. And if you'd like to, you know, here's your invitation. So I find that you could intuitively know a good balance of, of openly sharing and connecting with your audience combined with also being able to invite them with specific offers that are aligned to your heart. I love that. And actually, you talked about not having a framework. And I think that's why it comes across as so genuine, because you're not following a playbook. You're just waking up. And every single day, what I hear is that you're being AJ. And you're the best yeah. in the world at being AJ. So I love that approach. I love that strategy. And I think I think that's your framework, AJ. I think it's the <laughs> AJ framework. So really good work there. I love seeing your posts on Facebook. You're also really consistent on Facebook, which I think is one of the biggest strengths that you have. And of course, you've previously been in the fitness industry. We all know consistency is king when it comes to everything. So as we yes. get towards the end of this interview, talk to me about those consistent actions. What is forever a day? part of your routine so you're focusing on your personal Facebook you're I'm assuming you're focusing on pumping out content to your email list what are the consistent business actions that you're taking every single day yes absolutely the consistency is at least making one post a day no matter what even you know when I was going through surgery I made a post about my surgery and just sharing some of my uh, fears and beliefs toward it uh, and uh, you know showing up no matter what and on good days, I'll do two, three posts a day. And for me, again, it is really just um, understanding the, the great gratitude that I have. One, the gratitude of being alive and to experience a sound cognitive mind, to have ideas, to be able to share. But also the, the, the beauty of this amazing technology. You know, 20 years ago, we didn't have this ability of putting out a message to a community of thousands of people. And, and I'm just like in awe every single day that I have this opportunity so a big part of the consistency is just being extremely blessed that I have this audience of people that want to hear from me and I could talk to them. And I say to myself, like, well, I could use this audience for good or for bad. You know, I, I could bitch and moan about politics or race or gender and talk about how crappy the media is. And I could complain. Yes. And that's fun. And it's, you know, therapeutic in some way. But at the same time, I'm dividing people. I don't want to polarize them in a negative way. I say, well, how can we come together? These are some of the problems we're facing in the world. And I don't have all the answers, but maybe we can come up with a solution. And we all have this ability. We could all have this amazing platform. Even if you have 100 followers, it's still a blessing. This technology is so amazing. And the ability to take advantage of it, to use it in a positive way, uh, that's really inspiring. Yeah. AJ, you just in one sentence summed up most of our Facebook news feeds. <laughs> Politics, <laughs> race, inequality, all these things are summed up. And I think that's why you stand out so much because amidst all of the darkness that there is on social media, you shine a huge bright light on the world and on your world as well. And I absolutely love seeing that. So 
Not gonna lie to you, AJ. We could probably have a four-hour podcast interview, but I want to be respectful of your time. I am definitely going to peer pressure you to the best of my ability to have you back on the show. So I'm really excited about that. We've only touched the tip of the iceberg about your business knowledge, what you do for clients, your approach to growing businesses. But I do want to give you some time to tell listeners where they can learn more about you, what's the best place to keep in touch with you, and to see all the awesome content that you're putting into the world. Yes, absolutely. And like you said, I uh, generally love this conversation. Maybe you said, hey, let's go for another three hours. I could go because <laughs> you're a phenomenal interview. You have great, great, great questions. I think pretty much every question you said, I said, great question, Brian. Let me go <laughs> deeper with that. So you're awesome at that. And this is a great vibe, a great energy. It would be honored to come back on again. I would love to share more. So thank you for that. But uh, the main place is my website. It's online, supercoach.com. And that's where I have my seminars, my books, and a lot of different programs I've developed throughout the years. I have a lot of free courses that if you just want to dabble and take a test drive, you can go on there to check those out. And of course, my, my Facebook, which is really simple. My name is AJ Mirzad. You go to facebook.com forward slash AJ Fit, A-J-F-I-T. Uh, go on there, add me as a friend, send me a message you listen to on this podcast, and I'll love to chat with you and uh, find out what you found most valuable. Awesome. AJ, you are a wealth of knowledge. I'm so excited to have you back on the show. And we're going to go really deep into your business brain in the next one. It's been so much fun hearing your story, hearing your struggles, hearing about your wins. AJ, thanks for sharing it all with us today. Well, thank you, Brian. I wanted to acknowledge you as well. You know, it's our first uh, full-blown conversation we've had, but I've known you for many years. And I love to see your growth. You really inspire me. You know, your lifestyle, your ability to live life on your terms, just the amount of joy you exude, the amazing relationship you have. Everything is really inspiring. And it's good to see someone who's always consistent, always growing. You know, your, your progress is so beautiful to see. And we all know, you know, there's a lot of people online you could follow. And I love following you because you have this amazing congruency with every aspect of your life. AJ, I appreciate that so much. It gave me chills to hear that. Thank you so much for being in my world. Thanks for being friends for all these years. And I can't wait till next time. Me too, likewise. Thanks for listening to the Wantrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast with your host, Brian Lofermento. For show notes and to get a free copy of Brian's book, visit us online at thewantrepreneurshow.com.